0: Welcome to Your Next Chapter, the podcast dedicated to providing you with the game changers and experts to tackle the next chapter of your life. Whether you want to start a business, pivot in your career, or get in the best shape of your life, I provide the guests to draw tactics, insight, and inspiration from to conquer your next chapter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today's guest is Limor Markman. She is a women's financial empowerment coach and her brand is Financially Fabulous. The first 10 minutes or so of the episode, there's a little bit of static due to the poor Skype connection we had, and we actually had to cut it off 10 minutes in and start re-recording with a new Skype connection because there were some technical difficulties there. So I do apologize for that. In the episode, you're gonna learn from Limor how to negotiate different areas of your life, whether that be interest rates, on your phone bill, or even just when you're renting a car, looking at ways where you can make your money work more for you. She also talks about multiple streams of income and how she got into real estate as a form of creating some passive income for herself. So without further ado, here's my guest today, Limor Markman. Oh, and one thing I forgot to mention, there's a special giveaway by Limor at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned into the whole thing to hear more about the giveaway. I got Lemore here on the line with me. Limore, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, sit down today and join me for a conversation.
1: It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Let's dive right into it. I always like asking my guests, if your life was a book title, what would be the name of your book or the title of your book?
1: So I had to put a lot of thought into this question so I'm glad you sent it to me in advance. But the book title I came up with is The Strength to Define.
0: The Strength to Define. I like it. Yes. Why The Strength to Define?
1: Um because I would say that the early years of my life were really about building strength and confidence in who I am and I have always been someone who has been redefining my life in an unconventional way Um, and in some ways i feel like i'm just getting started so uh, i hope at the end of my life when i look back uh, the defined portion is going to be uh, massive
0: the part about defining your life right now talk a bit about that because a lot of people you know might not know who you are so what chapter are you on right now and like what does that look like what are you defining currently in your day-to-day life
1: yeah so my life has changed I know um, you're probably going to ask a couple questions about where I came from and in my background. But um, I left the corporate world about eight months ago at this point in time, and that was a huge step for me. Um, I graduated from business school and dove headfirst into the banking industry, uh, doing marketing for some of the big banks in Canada and um, really pursuing climbing that corporate ladder and i was loving it for a very very long time but you know where i'm at right now in in being able to leave my corporate experience um i have been investing in real estate now for just over three years very aggressively and i was actually able to leave my corporate job because my life is funded by a uh, real estate and that's really given me the space and the time, um, which is actually really other interesting currency when building a business, um, to really pursue my passion app, which is empowering women to understand how finances work. Um, I think it's really important that women become, as I like to call it, financially fabulous. Um, and that's really about being financially independent regardless of your relationship status. And really it's about peace of mind when it comes to money. Money should not be keeping you up at night. You should not be losing sleep over it. You shouldn't be getting sick and stressed because of things to do with money. So I'm on a mission to decode it.
0: You've trademarked this brand, Financially Fabulous, and I love it. I think it's amazing. How do people become more financially fabulous?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Financially Fabulous um, is of a mindset more than oh you've achieved it now you're done you never have to do it again um you know it's kind of how you approach money it's how you think about it it's about moving forward it's about understanding that money is an enabler um rather than um sort of something to just accumulate and have in your bank account and just say okay good i've done it Um, you know it's about your ability to use money to give you the lifestyle that you want and part of that lifestyle is not having the stress and anxiety it's about understanding it um, it's about not being an ostrich. Uh, I know a lot of people prefer not to think about their money, um, but embracing it and knowing how it can really help you to live the life you want to live.
0: For people who are in debt, because I feel debt is a big thing, so you know, millennials, you know, we spend so much, maybe on things that we do need, sometimes maybe things we don't need. How do you get out of debt? If you have visa debt or student debt, what is your way of getting out of that? And We can tackle these separately if you want, or we can lump it into one category of just debt. But how do you get out of debt? What are the first steps that you do with your clients to become debt free?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really good question. Um, and I think it actually starts with the getting out of debt, which of course we all want to get out to. And I'll give some tips on that, um, is acknowledging what is debt and, and how do we actually get there? Because, and I know you and I were chatting a little bit about this before the call, is Debt is money that you have spent on either purchasing an item or an experience, whether it be traveling or school, and you made a conscious decision to trade your money for that purchase or for that experience. And so I think people often delineate that they've made that decision and then to say, okay, now I have this debt, how do I get rid of it? Um, You know, and I I don't have a magic wand that says, poof, here's how debt disappears. Um, but you know I think acknowledging and understanding that the debt is there because of decisions that you've made is probably the first part uh, there's an element of accountability and responsibility but you know once you're you're in debt and it's something that you want to get out of which hopefully everybody should be striving to get out of you know recognizing there's a couple of different elements so there's a component of interest rates so what is really the fee that you're paying to maintain this debt, and sometimes with credit cards, I mean it can be, and then we're up to like 19%, 25%, and that is absolutely incredibly difficult to overcome if you're paying if you're paying it off. So, you know, with the interest rate, is how can you decrease the interest rate? And something that people don't know is that you can actually call your credit card provider, you can call your bank, and you can ask for lower interest rates. And often they'll give them to you. You know, if you're carrying all your debt on a credit card, is there another credit product that's better suited to you? Can you get a line of credit with a lower interest rate? Do you have property where you can tap into the equity or you know, particularly when it comes to student debt, is there someone in your life, a family member who you know, may have those funds that they could either lend them to you at a lower interest rate, or do they have equity in a property that you could borrow at a lower interest rate? Because as soon as you cut down the significant fees that you're paying towards debt repayment, you can get to the principal, which is like the original amount that you borrowed quite a lot
0: faster. Is tackling the interest rates and trying to lower your fees a big part of getting out of debt? Is that a strategy that you teach to your clients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, if you, if you owe $100 and you have to pay you know, $1 in fees or $15 in fees or $25 in fees, if you think about paying it off in small increments, the lower your fees, the faster you'll be able to actually pay it off.
0: I know you do a lot of talking about multiple streams of income and negotiating. Talk a bit about these two areas. How did they help somebody, you know, create more wealth for themselves in their life?
1: Sure. So I actually think that these are super key factors um, when it comes to um, your personal finance space because. I mean, you talk about living within your means, don't spend more than you make. I mean, we've heard it a million times, just because you hear it in my voice doesn't mean it's gonna sound any different or it's gonna land any differently. Um, But the thing that I think is so different about thinking about multiple streams of income is because instead of living within your means, it's how can you increase your means, right? So, by you know, definitely when you're increasing means, you still want to live within them. But one of the ways to be able to tackle all of your financial priorities is to have more money and to make more money, which is actually how. I found myself getting into real estate. Um, Like I said, I was in the banking industry uh, for over 10 years. And um, I was a bit of a money nerd. I know most people aren't like me. I was super curious. I wanted to know how it worked. I wanted to know the tricks of the trade. Like, how can I make my money work harder for me? And, you know, when I stumbled on real estate, first I was reading a lot of books, and then I found myself in a three day seminar. I just find myself sitting on the edge of my seat, seeing, like, holy crap, like, why has nobody taught this to me? Because what I realized is that I could use. Some of the money that I had been saving and put it into another property and generate passive income or cash flow every single month, and I could still be working my full-time job and be making money from another avenue. So, you know, I think in the current day and age, uh, we live in a very different society. You know, from the job market standpoint, we're not finding an employer, working there for 30 years, and then getting a pension. I mean, long gone to those days, you know, um, we aren't as employees loyal to our organizations the same way and vice versa. I mean, in my, uh, you know, like I said, over 10 years, I worked for three different financial institutions working with them. And that is the norm these days, you're almost more valuable to a potential employer, if you've worked at multiple different uh, places and you've got different experiences and so all that being said i mean i think having a job is is important and great but if you can also have another stream of income another avenue of money coming your way it just gives you a lot more flexibility in what you do with your money
0: here's where we have the skype difficulty thank you so much for your patience up until this point the rest of the conversation is much clearer as we had a much better connection so here we go back into it
1: so we're talking about multiple streams of income, and another reason why I think it's so critical is you think about retirement age, okay? So typically it's 65 years old. And now we're living such longer lives. I mean, by the time you and I get into our 80s, we're gonna be the youngins. I just I just know it's gonna happen that way. And you know, if you think about how many years of our lives we're gonna have to fund from 65 onwards, it might even be 30, 50 years at that point in time. And so to be able to save enough money right now to, at 65, have enough money to fund our lives going forward is honestly sometimes, like when you think about it, an impossible task. And so if we learn at this stage to build multiple streams of income and we have money coming our way, passive income, when we are... In our typical retirement age, that's money we're not going to have to save and have ready available to us when we're 65. So it means that we get to lead better lives now because we're scrimping and scraping a little bit, saving a little bit uh, less. But it means that, you know, regardless of how long we live, we won't have to be worried that we're going to outlive the money that we'll have saved.
0: Going back to the real estate conference that you went to, you said you were on the edge of your seat and you're like, why hadn't anybody taught me this before? What were like the aha moments of what you were learning in that seminar that you felt wasn't being taught to you? Was um, it the multiple streams of income? Was that really the big thing that came out of it?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was it was the multiple streams of income. It was a lot around mindset and not trading my time for money. So I know you know in a lot of real estate environments, they talk about this where right now, you know, if I go to a job, I make money whether it's by hour or as a salary, but the minute I stop going to that job, if I get sick, if I get hurt, if I lose that job, that's it, the money stops. So, a big aha for me outside of like the strategies that they were teaching is really there's another way to do it. I can have my time back and still make money.
0: When you say multi income, give some examples to people in the audience. Real estate, obviously being one, but what else can people do to start getting multiple streams of income into their life?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can start super, super small. Whether it's a small business, if you're baking cupcakes, if you're uh, blogging, you know, and you build a decent audience, um, you know, if you write a book, if you're, you know, actually, just recently, I was at, um, I was at a wedding. And um, I always like to talk to the people who are who are working there because I especially like to ask them if it's just their full-time gig. And both the photographer, the popcorn man, the lady who was doing caricatures—they all said that this was their side hustle, which is a very common term nowadays. And so for them, it was another way to make money. So um, you know, there's multiple streams of income where you're not trading your time for money, but they're are other streams where you are trading your time for money and maybe it's something that you really love to do you know in our in our jobs I mean hopefully most of us are doing things that we love but the reality is that lots of us are doing jobs that maybe don't fulfill all of our passions so you know how can you start to monetize sell promote um, your other skills and talents
0: one thing that you're a big proponent of is negotiating and this is something that I picked up from the call we had prior to this And actually, I took your advice. I got a really big phone bill from Fido. I was in the States last month, and it was over like $400 or something like that. And you said, you know, anytime you get a big bill, like, you know, don't be afraid to call up, you know, whoever the provider is or the company and see what they can do for you. And it was a really interesting experience for me where I called them up and said, hey, I'm a really loyal customer. I've been with you guys for so long. I was in the States much longer than I expected, and this bill was a lot larger than I expected. Is there anything we can do? and they were able to knock it down to $160, which I was blown away by say like $240 in about a 20 minute period.
1: Yes, (laughs) I'm so proud of you, that's awesome. Thank
0: you. Why is negotiating such an important part of what you preach? Uh,
1: Negotiating is so important because again, it's another way to make your money go further. So often people talk about negotiating, they think that the only way to negotiate is for a higher salary um, and while that's definitely something that we should all be doing on an ongoing basis and not only asking for more money but asking for other elements like uh, can you get your cell phone covered can you get some extra vacation can you get a discounted price or whatever the company creates or promotes or the service that they sell it's one way to increase um, what you have left in your pocket but negotiating on the expenses is something that a lot of people don't do so you know typically if you would have gotten that bill for $400 I'm not gonna put you on the spot but you know I'm gonna assume that the average person when they get that bill um, they're not gonna be too happy but they're probably not gonna call and ask to have that decreased um, you know so negotiating is another great way to keep more in your pocket so I negotiate everything I mean not to the point where I'm completely entitled but you know if I get an overcharge fee like you I'll call I'll admit I say hey you know I made the mistake I won't do it again Um, and it's not only about being a loyal customer you know when I've gotten a first time fee I call and I'll say hey I'm a first time customer I'm planning to be with you for a while is there anything that you can do for me Um, and another way is you know if Another way, sorry, is if you go and you rent a car or you go and you stay at a hotel room. There's no reason why you can't ask for an upgrade Um, and often they'll give it to you. And so, you know, you'll get an enhanced experience for a little bit of a lesser cost. So really what negotiating all comes down to is how can you make sure you have the most money coming into your pocket and the least money, the least amount of money going out of your pocket.
0: The big thing being is just not being afraid to ask, because I've never heard about being able to negotiate interest rates, but this is when you said you, know, you can call up your credit card provider. Like give an example, when you call up a credit card provider, what can people expect from the credit card company on the other end? Like what do those conversations typically look like for yourself or for your clients?
1: Yeah, I mean sometimes it can be as simple as they've got a promotion going on that you didn't know about. You know? So if I call and I've got a certain interest rate, I'll say, hey, is there anything you can do about that? or I've been a loyal customer for a long time is there anything you can do to lower the annual fee? and sometimes they can do it for you and sometimes what they can do is just offer you another product that's a better fit for your current needs So it's it's about reevaluating whether you're in the right product at the right time and tapping into the promotions that they have I mean at the end of the day they'd rather keep you as a customer and sometimes they're willing to go the extra mile I mean we all think about calling our cell phone provider um, you know, and and asking for better packages, but there's no reason why you can't negotiate on anything that comes your way. Any dollar value is not necessarily 100% fixed, except for maybe your taxes.
0: <laughs> Last time we spoke, you worked at two of Canada's largest banks for you know a long time there for a bit. You said you saw from an inside perspective, you know how banks make money off their clients and their customers, and the mistakes that people are making. Is the big mistake just? for people overpaying on interest rates or is there something else that you saw that you know people are doing wrong on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah so I mean I started my career as you're right um, in the banking world so that was really a lot of my introduction and it wasn't necessarily you know how banks are conniving per se but we need to understand the accounts that we sign up for and the products that we sign up for. I mean you know most times and I've been guilty of this in the past you know going to the bank you sign for a loan or a mortgage or whatever it is and are you reading the fine print most of us are not you know so just understanding what it is we're signing up for um, you know things like in Canada we've got the tax-free savings account um, and I know you have probably got some listeners down in the states as well um, but it's an account that's like misunderstood in terms of how it actually works when you put money in there if you invest it and you have gains then you don't have to pay tax on those gains but lots of people think of it as like a regular savings account so i just put money in there and uh, and i don't ne- and so people just put money in there and think that you know that's they're taking advantage of of the offering when in actual fact they're not that's not necessarily an example where the banks are making money but really what i think it comes down to is that we don't really pay as much attention to what are the details of the accounts. And yes, I think sometimes the banks can do a little bit of a better job in conveying them, but we need to take an interest in understanding the products that we're using.
0: You've recently contributed to a book called Who's Going to Stop Us Now? We were chatting a little bit about this before the call. And uh, I read the section that you contributed to that book, you sent it to me an email, and I found it really interesting. One part that really stood out to me, and this goes back to a little bit about your earlier years, is when you were in university, you decided to do an exchange. I believe it was your third year of university, and you decided to go to France. And you set this goal mm-hmm. of setting yourself $75 a day for this exchange. Talk a bit about this story and how this was a very like important time for you. From the book, you know, from the chapter that I read, it was important where you really felt that it was a goal that you had achieved and had a big impact on you as a financial, you know, achieving your financial goals. Talk a bit more about that experience.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I was wrapping up uh, high school and applying to universities and I I found this program of international business and the coolest part for me is that we had to study abroad in order to uh graduate with this degree. And so, for me, I knew that I wanted to go abroad and there was an option of either going for one semester or for a full year and like I had made up my mind from the first minute that I was going to go for the first, for the full year and France was the place that I wanted to go, but the idea of going into debt to be able to do this experience or go away for the year was completely unfathomable to me. So, you know, from the time that I'd applied until I knew when I was going away in my third year of university, I knew that I have to like super hustle, do a lot of part-time jobs and save as much money as I possibly could. And at the time I had sort of calculated that it would cost me about seventy five dollars a day. Um, you know, I probably used some wonky math. I don't know how legitimate it really was, but it was a goal that I set for myself. And I figured that, you know, some days I'd be living in residence, it wouldn't cost me a ton of money, and other days I'd be taking flights and staying at hotels. And so um, I really used that mark to sort of say to myself, Every time I had earned $75, I earned one more day in Europe. And every time I would go to the mall and want to buy something and it would cost $75, I would look at it and I'd say, Do I want this or one more day in Europe? And so that really kept me super motivated um, and really focused on this goal that I really, really wanted to achieve. And I mean, keeping in mind at the time I was a high school student and a university student. So I was earning minimum wage and um, you know this is quite a few years ago now and I feel like a little bit of a grandma telling you this but you know in my day um, I was working you know at some point I was at at the gap for a while I was earning six dollars and eighty cents an hour Um, so I think why I'm so proud of this is because it's the basics and anybody can be doing this so I was just working a ton of hours being really responsible saving my money and ultimately I got the experience of a lifetime, I mean I I traveled a whole ton uh, when I was out there that year and I could do it with peace of mind and I think that was a really big aha moment for me that if I was willing to do the work and be smart with my money, I could enjoy the experiences that I want to without having a ton of stress.
0: Fast forward through that experience. So you graduated from university, yeah. and you went into the corporate world, and you know you worked there for I think you said eight years. Talk a bit about that transition. I'm really curious to know, you know, how you went from the corporate to where you are now, and kind of what happened after university, and kind of how you got into the banking world and what you did there for a little bit.
1: Hmm. Well, I got into the banking industry straight from straight from school. Um, so it was my first job, and you know, was was working in, in marketing there, so like I had an international business degree and so this was sort of what I was training to do, although really university trains you to think you get there on your first day and you have no idea what you're doing. Um, so made my transition into the corporate world, but like I said, I mean, uh, sort of accidentally that I ended up in banking, I didn't realize then. Um, that when I look back now, what a critical role that's played in my journey going forward. Um, you know, but like anyone graduating university, you know, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do and uh, and try to get a job. I mean, it was definitely tough. I remember getting the job was even a bit of a challenge. But once I got in, it was about figuring it out, making my mark and and progressing and working super hard at that career. And, you know, especially in my early years, I was so adamant that I was going to be climbing this corporate ladder up to the top, you know, I didn't really think that there was another option for me. Um, But I ended up, so I actually, in total, my corporate experience was 12 years. Um, But, you know, in my latter years, I started to really wonder, you know, as I got into real estate and learning about it, like, is there another way, you know, can can I make money another way to fund my life other than working even more hours? And I'm sure this is something many people can relate to, but you know, we don't work 9 to 5 anymore. I work super late into the evenings and, you know, get up early in the morning and it's like my boss didn't sleep at night. I got all these emails of more work to do um, and that's when I really started thinking about, okay, how else can I make money? How else can I do this? And that's when real estate really came into my life.
0: Interesting, I like it. And so for you... At what point did you recognize that you know, the corporate world was, it was time to go and it was time for you to start becoming a woman's empowerment, like financial expert, like how did you recognize it was time to get that? Did you start doing that beforehand when you were already in the corporate world? Or what created that idea for you to make that jump over from the corporate to what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, So when I first started getting into real estate, I never thought I was leaving corporate. Like I was still on this, like you know, I'm going to climb the ladder to the top, and you know, I'll just have passive income for when I retire or when I have kids in the future. Um, But you know, the more I started doing real estate and things on the side, the more I realized that I actually had another power and strength and another way to generate enough money to, to fund my life and you know simultaneously to that I had taken um, a different role I was trying something a little bit differently and I hit one of those perfect storms that's really nobody's fault I have no blame but you know we reorganized I lost my team I got a new boss I was working on a new client who was being bought so they were super miserable and all of a sudden I found myself in a whirlwind of things that just weren't working in my career. And quite honestly, like the the days before I decided I was going to make a change were really dark. And I did a lot of soul searching. I really said to myself, like, what do I really want to be? What do I really want to do? Um, you know, if I removed corporate structure, if I removed the kind of income I thought I needed to make, like if I just removed all those barriers and I did some soul searching, it's about what do I really want to be and who do I really want to be in this world? And that's when I came back with, and actually relatively quickly once I started asking those questions, is can I be, um, you know, I want to be someone who's out there and empowering women specifically to understand how money works. You know, I definitely realized I had a gift for having figured it out by the virtue of all of my experiences and the nature of my curiosity on the topic um, and really thought, like, I can make a huge difference. I can be a figure in this space and it's not about like being famous, it's about how could I get to a place where I could reach as many people as possible to explain that money doesn't have to be complicated.
0: And when you decided to make that transition, how did you decide, you know, what your brand was going to be, what kind of content you're going to create, like that process that you're in right now, how did you come, and you've been doing a lot of public speaking ready early on, like how did you know this is the path you wanted to take?
1: Um. Well, I'll start off by saying that when I, after I came up with that idea, in complete honesty, I was, like, paralyzed. So for, like, three months, I didn't tell anybody, and I just started quietly researching, um, seeing who was out there, what does that look like. Um, and then, you know, I started with the path of what I knew how to do. So um, I had been doing marketing for big brands for a very long time. So I actually hired a, a, a branding agency that helped me with my original positioning. Now, is this what all entrepreneurs should do? I don't know. Was it the best decision? I don't know. I mean, it helped me a lot. And I'm glad that I that I did it because I used my own strengths and my skills. Um, but after that, I started looking around to see what are what is out there, you know, people who are talking about any kind of subject, whether it's entrepreneurship or health or coaching it's how are they showing up and what kind of business model um can i use and so started to to figure that out i've taken a whole bunch of courses online i listen to millions of podcasts i mean especially if you're in the entrepreneur space there's so much out there available to you so started sifting through it and um figuring out what seemed to fit for me and what didn't Uh, you know you asked a little bit about the branding I mean I definitely did some initial positioning but Financially Fabulous where I landed really actually came accidentally um, in an authentic way I mean I've been ranting and raving in social media long before I had a website or anything official and you know it's it's part of the essence of what I want people to aspire to I want them to feel fabulous about their money uh, and that's where Financially Fabulous came from Um, But I haven't got it all figured out. Like, let's be honest. Um, It's one step at a time. It's one piece at a time. Um, And, you know, I'm proud of all the steps I've taken so far. But I feel like I'm just getting started.
0: Amazing. And what's next for you and Financially Fabulous? Where do you see yourself going with this?
1: Yeah, um, you know, just growing exponentially. You know, I'm going to be uh creating a series of products that are some that are already in the works in terms of creating additional tools. Like right now on my website, people can submit questions about money. Um, and I have a YouTube channel so every week I put out videos. Um, but I'm putting together some some bigger products that will really Help people. Um, you know, I think it's great to be able to watch a five-minute video, but then you're like, okay, then what? Like, my issue is bigger than that, or how do I tackle more than that? Um, you know, I'll be doing some more speaking and uh, just getting my my voice out
0: there. What's your greatest challenge in your next chapter?
1: Hmm, greatest challenge. I think part of it is charting my own path in an area that. I'm super new to Um, so I mean unlike the corporate world I feel like I had lots of paths and you know HR would give me a roadmap and said if you want to do this here's the 10 things you need to do to get there Um, but you know when you're when you're out on your own and you have a vision and um, and there is nobody else like me with my skill sets doing what I'm doing in my topic you know as is for each of us and so uh, it's about figuring out the path for myself and that's
0: exactly it, right? You know, when the path the path ahead of you is not charted and you don't really know exactly the roadmap, you really have to have that vision to really know where you want to go with it, because you can take yourself anywhere you want to go.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's great. There's so, there, I shouldn't say there's no exact path for me to follow, but that doesn't mean that I'm not spending a lot of time and energy learning to see how other entrepreneurs have done it or other folks who are in real estate or other folks who have a speaking career or have written books. So there's lots to learn from but then how do i take those pieces and then make them fit with my strengths and my vision for where i'm going
0: and that's it a hundred percent really playing to your strengths and really recognizing where you want to go with it so it sounds like you're on a great path there, and i'm really excited to see what you're going to create in the world
1: thank you i'm having so much fun and quite honestly i've never been happier um it's it's amazing to wake up every day and you know, spend my hours doing something that's so meaningful to me and that I feel will make a big difference in the world. Um, You know, that's not to say that I haven't loved other things that I've done in the past, but this feels really special and my life has a different kind of meaning now. So there's no going back.
0: (laughs) I've said it. Any advice, and it can be financially related or maybe business advice or philosophical that you want to leave the audience with before we wrap up here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll get back to, to the money, but, um, you know, as the, the financially fabulous gal, it's, you know, you need to really figure out where, what you want that vision to be and what you want your life to look like from a financial standpoint, and then take responsibility to take the actions to get you there, you know. Um, it's all great and dandy if you want your debt paid off or you want a certain kind of lifestyle of retirement, but, you know, if if you don't take responsibility of what are the actions you can take to get there. And, you know, sometimes they're big actions and sometimes they're little actions. It can be a decision to not spend money on something uh, small and consistent that can get you to where you want to go. So, you know, focus on what you want that vision to look like. And I know I said this is about money, but this kind of feels like life in general. So in general, um, you know, just be sure of where you're going and then figure out the action steps to take there. Nothing's going to just happen to you accidentally. But if you take lots of teeny tiny steps, you'll, you'll be amazed where you find yourself.
0: Where can people find you? If people want to hear more from you, reach out to you. Where can people find what you do? Yes,
1: yeah, so my website is Money, and it's L-I-M-O-R, and um, Leemore.money is, is my site, and I am all over all social media, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, run the gamut. Um, with a name like Lemore, I'm, like, super easy to find.
0: I believe we're also going to do a little giveaway for who's going to stop us now, the book that you contribute to. Do you want to say anything on that before we wrap up here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, super cool, um, this opportunity that I had to participate in. It's actually a, a book of... 15 unstoppable women who are talking about all kinds of subjects. So it's all really inspiring stories, um, you know, that women have have done in their lives and, uh, you know, honored to be part of this amazing compilation. So um, the, the giveaway, the contest that we're running here is if you text the word Dream Big to 77792, that's Dream Big to 77792, and we'll be running a contest and, and giving it away. So, um, a, a great inspirational book, and I've, I've read the other chapters and you know moved in, in lots of different ways.
0: Amazing, Limor. thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down with me and my audience today and chat a little bit.
1: It is my pleasure. I hope uh, your audience is inspired to be just a little more financially fabulous.
0: I hope they are too. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> thank, thank you, Doctor.
0: Well, there you have it, my podcast with Limor Markham. I hope you learned some things about being a little bit more financially fabulous, a little bit more financially responsible. The biggest thing I always tell my clients is that take one thing you learn from reading a book or a podcast and implement that. So whether that's negotiating your upcoming cell phone bill or calling up your banks to get lower credit card bills or looking at multiple streams of income in your life, it's about application. Knowledge is great, but we live in a time and age where knowledge is so abundant that if you don't implement it, it is not going to serve you. Take one piece, run with it, see where it takes you. Glad you tuned in today. Thank you so much. And the one thing I do ask, if you enjoy this episode, you liked it, share it or send it to somebody. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much for tuning into your next chapter and I look forward to having you next time on the show.